0: And American National Insurance. I live in Chicago and right about now the leaves are falling and so are the temperatures. This makes me want to grab a glass of red, find a fire pit, and a cozy sweater. If you are looking for a wine recommendation, may I suggest the 2018 Hannah Cabernet from Sonoma County. If you prefer white wine, the 2021 Hannah Chardonnay is a great option. This female-led winery offers absolutely delicious options for your fall table, great pairing with more savory dishes, or to share a bottle with friends. Hannah Winery brings the rich and unique terroir of Sonoma County right to your home in every glass. Cheers, everyone. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Lavazza. Four generations of the Lavazza family have been working to perfect the art of blending coffee since 1895 with a devotion to making coffee moments special. Signature blend Lavazza Classico, with its intensely rich flavor and sweet aromatic notes, is a celebration of the Italian way of life in every cup, and is available any way you brew your coffee. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations, led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For. People who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, Visit americannational.com slash dine. Welcome to To Dine For, the podcast, where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Mario Carbone.
1: The only way to tell a great story in our world is very much like seeing a play and going to a theater. You have to consider every possible visceral reaction of the guests to really make them an extra in your play and make really make it a transient experience.
0: That is Mario Carbone, who grew up in Queens, New York, surrounded by great Italian food. He worked at local eateries in his spare time, cutting his teeth in some of the best restaurants in New York City, including Babo, Lupa, WD-50, and Cafe Blued. In fact, it was at Cafe Blue that Mario reconnected with an old friend from culinary school, Rich Teresi, which planted the seed for the two to venture out on their own. And that was just the beginning. Since then, Rich, Jeff, and Mario have created Major Food Group. In the decades since, Major Food Group has become a powerhouse with more than 30 highly acclaimed restaurants around the globe including Mario's namesake concept, Carbone. I can't wait for you to enjoy this interview with Mario Carbone. Hi, Mario. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm. It's my pleasure. It really is. I had the most fabulous meal at Carbone Miami for season five of To Dine For, and I'm equally interested to hear your own personal story. So I really appreciate you joining me this morning. My pleasure. So I'm going to start with a really tough question. And it's especially difficult for you as a global restaurateur. You grew up in Queens, but you have dined at restaurants all over the world. So is there one that you look forward to going back to time and time again?
1: I think that that's sort of how I build my travel these days. I think that there's these restaurants and places in the world that I, I look forward to and owners that are friends at this point. And, you know, I'm I'm excited to go back to, you know, such and such restaurant to have X, Y, Z. And it reminds me of this season or this place. I have a lot of those in my life, thankfully these days. And some of them are really simple. Some of them are, just eating uh, some sort of beachside Italian restaurant and a simple bowl of pasta somewhere with with, with friends. I'd say the one restaurant that I take the most, uh, I walk away the most inspired from is Echebari in San Sebastian. Mm. Um, I think it is the best restaurant in the world. Mm. I've had the privilege to eat there a couple of times and it, it really is pretty spectacular and truly inspiring.
0: San Sebastian Spain has more Michelin star restaurants than anywhere in the world, I believe, or at least it's up there amongst the top. I'm wondering what, what is it about? Is it the food? Is it the ambiance? What about that restaurant? Do you personally love?
1: I, I love all of it, right? I think that it's a, it's a spectacular setting. I try to sit outside and usually it's a long lunch. He has a menu of about 23 to 25 items on it on any given day. It changes every day with what he what he gets in his area. He has the finest ingredients in that area and some of the finest ingredients in the world. You know, philosophically I I absolutely love the way he approaches food, his food, his culture's food, how he prepares these dishes. I find it both a picturesque setting for the perfect long European lunch, but I also find it philosophically inspiring every time I walk away from it.
0: That's fantastic. I'm really interested to begin at the beginning of your career. You really cut your teeth in really some of the best restaurants in New York, including Babo and Lupa. I'm curious, was there one experience when you were just getting started that you felt was like the most important and really led to who you are as a chef?
1: I think it, for me, it was really making the decision that I knew this was going to be a long haul, and to not get impatient, to put in you know your sort of ten thousand hours work for every great chef, every master you can you can possibly get in the door to be a part of, absorb everything they have to give you, keep your head down, your mouth shut, and work your butt off. And I think that when you make that decision, you make that deal with yourself that you know Kobe Bryant talked about, then it's up to you whether or not you're going to break it. And, you know, for me, I knew this wasn't a, a quick thing. Maybe these days, it, it seems like with social media and, and the speed of journalism that, you know, your ascension to stardom could potentially be faster if you find that Instagrammable thing to create. But before all that, there really just was the building of your resume and, and, and the building of your skill set to hopefully be able to use that to your benefit later on. It's all you had, uh, a, a long journey.
0: You know, when you think of Babo and, and the uh, amazing Italian pasta of Mario Batali, and you think of Daniel Blude and his uh, inc- impeccable service and French cuisine, it, it was like you were you were putting feathers in your cap of a culinary career. You can see the building of the skills. I'm wondering if you can take me back to connecting with Rich Teresi and starting that restaurant and what that experience was like, because it, you were still coming up and you were still learning. When you don't have the resources and you don't necessarily already have the thumbs up of the culinary world, what was that experience like for you?
1: Well, I met Rich first uh, when, when, I was, when we were 18 years old on our orientation day at the Culinary Institute of America uh, in 1998. Wow. We met, we had just talked for a minute, kind of did a quick, you know, where are you from? He was also from New York and we weren't in the exact same class, but we knew each other throughout school. Uh, we had a bunch of mutual friends. Years later, we wound up kind of rekindling our friendship, both working for Danielle together. Mm -hmm. Uh, also David Chang, the three of us together worked when we were about 22 or 23 years old for Danielle and Andrew Carmelini at Cafe Balud. And that's when Rich and I really became close friends, which eventually led to becoming roommates. And then as roommates, you know, we sort of shared each other's, you know, dreams and ambitions Mm -hmm. in our downtime. And I think that that became this sort of sharing of of common goals and realizing that there was a lot of commonality between what he wanted to do someday and what I wanted to do someday. And then, you know, the story continues from there and sort of how we wound up deciding to do it together, which, you know, in 2008, 2009 was really our only option. Our options were continue to work for somebody else. We hadn't at that point, you know, done 10 years in high profile kitchens and those are like dog years. So like it had, it felt like a really long time and the fire, you know, there was sort of this financial crisis of 2008. So really there wasn't much uh, investors that had a lot of appetite for investing in a couple of kids with no track record. So our only option that we saw was to do something together, take the little bit of resources that he had put together and the sum that I had put together. And we rented a 400 square foot space on Mulberry Street. And, uh, and that's how the next chapter began.
0: To what degree was that restaurant inspired by any of the restaurants you went to as a kid in Queens? You know, the, the mom and pop Italian that was fine dining, but also very approachable and a place you could eat every week?
1: Well, I would say that that's the moment where your training kicks in. That's the reason why he and I, you know, busted our butts for a decade plus, plus school, plus, you know, the years before school. So that in that moment, in our 400 square foot space, we have the the ability to, to go back on our Rolodexes. Mm. We can think about what would Danielle do in this moment? What would Mario do in this moment? What would Laurent Corral do in this moment? What would Pablo Goose do in this moment? And we have these collective decades of experience because we did it both the same way to now start from that. We had such a foundation. We could make anything. And we started to. We started to then take our education, our neighborhood, our upbringing, and start to begin to tell our own narrative. But without all that education, you know, we don't have a story to tell.
0: So what was the story you wanted to tell when you opened Carbone?
1: It was the story that what would happen, he and I are both New York Italians. We were both born here. You know, our grandparents, you know, we're both multiple generations removed from Italy. So we wanted to express that. We wanted to not try to make what we call Italy Italian, the food of The country or the regions of the country of Italy, because we thought that that would be a bit phony of us. That's not who we are. So who who are we? We are these New Yorkers. So we began to approach it as taking New York and kind of creating its own region of Italy out of it, its own fictional region of Italy.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: Which on Mulberry Street would encapsulate Chinatown. It would encapsulate the Lower East Side, which mm-hmm. would be basically like the Jewish quarter of Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we began to think about it that way. And then we started taking it one step further where we sort of almost insisted on only using American ingredients because we thought that that was the most Italian thing to do is mm-hmm. you know, sort of philosophically approach it as if this is my region. And it was, this, it is, this is our region. And so we created a bit of our own language, our own dialect.
0: We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute, but first, thank you to our sponsor.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed. Visit AmericanNational.com dine. I live in Chicago, and right about now, the leaves are falling and so are the temperatures. This makes me want to grab a glass of red, find a fire pit, and a cozy sweater. If you are looking for a wine recommendation, may I suggest the 2018 Hannah Cabernet from Sonoma County. If you prefer white wine, the 2021 Hannah Chardonnay is a great option. This female-led winery offers absolutely delicious options for your fall table. Great pairing with more savory dishes or to share a bottle with friends. Hannah Winery brings the rich and unique terroir of Sonoma County right to your home in every glass. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. At the very beginning, who helped craft the image, the style of carbon, because it is a glamorous restaurant. It is one that where lighting is important, where music is important, where the decor is important. Who helped kind of craft that and brand
1: that? We all just did it together. You know, there was no real designer. Uh, we were still a small company, and we all sat down and, and started to like patch it together. You know, there was no real like lighting scheme, a lot of the dark of the moody lights is because like you know we made a ton of mistakes it just kind of works there everything works Um, the space has an incredible story on its own and even when the lights are wonky over there in that corner and it's dark because we didn't really know what we were doing or you know (laughs) like the bricks are falling off the walls and like everything works everyone loves it you know like So there was no designer. It was really just us figuring it out. You know, we had some help along the way and we asked a lot of questions, but um, we just did it ourselves.
0: Well, it's magic. I'm really interested too. I was able to interview your general manager in Miami who was amazing. And I, I got a sense that you take great pride in curating your employees. And I'm wondering if you could share your philosophy for building out a team and finding the, the right people to be in the right restaurant.
1: All I really care about is, is buy-in. You know, I think I want to be surrounded by, I sort of insist to be a, surrounded by like-minded people who want to be a part of something. I'm generally disinterested in transient people who are looking to make a couple bucks by waiting tables while they work on something else. I appreciate that that's your hustle, but that's not what I'm looking for. That's not Mm -hmm. what my guest is looking for. So everyone's a professional. Everyone is there because they want to be there. This is their job. This is what they take very serious. We do a lot of training. Uh, We work very hard on this. It's a lot of hours. You know, you want to be surrounded by like-minded people. You spend way too much time with everybody. You spend more time with your team than you're going to spend with your your own family. Mm-hmm. So you want to you want to like the people and ultimately love the people and ultimately they become your family and they become family. Mm. I have a giant family. I have thousands of people in my family, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when it works. But it only works if everyone's there for the same sort of goals and same reasons.
0: Your restaurants are really magnets for celebrities, Leonardo DiCaprio, Rihanna. Is that intentional? How did that happen? And does it surprise you or not?
1: No, certainly not intentional. I think that you know the only intent we have is to make something great. And if if, if along the way when you're making something that, that people love and, and, and they want to be a part of and they want to come to, that's very flattering. Mm-hmm. Certainly the biggest celebrities of the world have access to anything. Leonardo DiCaprio can call any restaurant right now and walk in the door, regardless of reservation. Of course, we all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're choosing your restaurant, that's, that's, that's very flattering. They can go anywhere. So uh, I am always flattered by the fact that they they're coming to see us, but there's no way to make that intentional that it's just, you know, I can't call Leo and be like, you want to come in tonight? Like that's not my relationship with them. So I just do my best. I do my job. We, we all do. And, And thankfully, we have a product that they that that they like, but the you know more importantly, the community at large likes.
0: So the program that I produce on PBS is called To Dine For. We go to with the guests to their favorite restaurant, wherever that is. Upcoming guest on season five of To Dine For, Lindsay Vaughn chose your restaurant as her absolute favorite. So when I first reached out to Carbone Miami, I went on the website and there is no phone number. Like it was finding you and getting to your people was the hardest thing I have ever done in the five years of producing this show. I mean, it was that difficult. That has to be part of the the air of mystery around Carbone. It is one of the toughest tables to get both in New York and Miami, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Again, we don't do it for shtick. We just couldn't, we can't <laughs> handle, we can't handle that. We can't handle the vo- the phone volume. So like it yeah. doesn't work. So we don't have one, you know, we do it on, on email so that we can, we can better structure the responses. And I have a team of people who are working on those every day, but we couldn't post the phone number because we just, we just, it can't, we can't deal with the the, the calls. That's a, a lot good of problem it is, to have. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess so.
0: Let's talk about your evolution as a chef. Now where you sit with major food group, what was it like going from creating your own restaurant to getting that first success to now. You and uh, your partners, Rich and Jeff, are really helming emerging restaurant empire. What has that, that shift been like for you personally in your career?
1: Well, they don't teach you that part of it, right? I mean, you spend your whole life uh, working in a kitchen and, and, and honing your skills there. And you know, if you have, like we do, uh, ambition to be entrepreneurs, then that, there's a bit of figuring that out as you go. You take your lumps along the way, and you learn from from mistakes as, as much as you learn from successes. And you try to you know, go forward with an earnest direction, building a company the way that you believe is the right way. And good things come from it. But yeah, my my daily life has changed, you know, very much in the last few years as I find my own balance between the kitchen and helping run the company. But that's, a, that's something that I continue to work on. I continue to learn from every day. What, what is my balance? And, and, and sometimes you know, when I long for being in the kitchen, I, I, I just go in there and I, I suit up and I spend the night with the guys uh, or in gals. So yeah, it's, it's still a learning process and something that you don't really get taught.
0: When you look at everything you do now, from being in the kitchen, making that amazing spicy rigatoni, to working on major food group, to all the different restaurants you have in the works and spaces beyond restaurants, what part of what you do is most yourself? Like, where do you feel like you bring the most value and really is at the sweet spot of what you're good at?
1: Um, I only do things that are me. I, if there's a, if there's a, topic or uh, a task or a job in the company that I am not going to excel in, someone else should do it or we should hire someone else. Um, but mm-hmm. I, the things that I get to do every day for this company are the things that I have tremendous passion doing and that I believe I'm the best person to do for it. If, if, if I think that I'm not great at something, then, then I should either learn how to be better at it or find somebody else. And did you
0: learn that from trial and error? That seems like an enormous amount of self-awareness to be able to get to that point. Was that something you've, have you always been a a guy who knows who you are and knows what you're good at and knows what you're not? Or has that been a couple of failures that have gotten you there?
1: I think that it's a privilege now, right? I think that there's been a lot of jobs along the way that I've done that I maybe wasn't great at, but that I had to do. Or, you know, when we were much smaller, there was plenty of roles and hats that we all wore. I think now at the size of the company that we are, there are plenty of people that are much better at those jobs in this company than I am. And what I need to do, what's best for me in this company, is to is to tackle the ones that I believe I can do better than anybody else. And if we all play those roles, then then we're a much stronger team. We're, we're we we make things and we build things and we're smarter and better and faster today than we've ever been. But that's not because I I have more experience. It's because I have team that I have around me that can, that can take, that can carry the weight of the things that I am no good at.
0: Mm. Major Food Group is definitely sitting at the intersection of innovation and great restaurants. What is the vision for your organization and what do you want to say to the world with all of your properties and principles?
1: Ultimately, we're storytellers and that's what I think we're best at. Uh, that, that's what we are passionate in. And when a project or story comes along that we believe we'd like to tell or we believe that we should tell or we believe that we are we're the ones to tell, regardless of where exactly in the world of food and beverage or hospitality that is, we're probably going to tackle it. And uh, that, you know, by and large, has been restaurants, but it could also as we as we grow into hotels and residences and, and, and I'm not sure what else it, it'll be. But what I am sure is when something comes across that excites us, if we're excited about it, we're going to do a great job as a team. Um, and and that's, that, that's all that matters.
0: Isn't it crazy, though, like when you think of back to your days at, you know, work, starting out with Teresi that you're now talking about residences and hotels? Like, does that just like blow your mind?
1: I don't think about it like that. I, I don't really. You know, I'm not sure. Um, I think that when I get excited about something, even if it's a, a job or a, an opportunity that I, I, I would never have envisioned for us, as I look at it, it makes sense to me. Of course, that we would be doing that, that makes perfect sense. So um, I guess I don't, I don't really look back and, and say, oh, you know, I can't believe we're, we're, we're doing residences. <laughs> um, it's sort of like it makes sense. It makes sense that, that we're doing that project because I know why we took it on, whatever it might be.
0: Let's talk about hospitality. You know, we've just gone through this global pandemic. Uh, I won't go delve into how difficult it must have been for you because we already know that, right? It must have been horrific when you're in a fine dining space to go through the pandemic. But I'm just wondering, what is your definition of hospitality and what kind of experience do you want your guests to have when they come through the doors of Carbone, New York or Carbone, Miami? And, and, and what, what, what do you want them to feel?
1: Our style of hospitality is very theatrical. Again, we are storytellers and um, the only way to tell a great story in our world is very much like seeing a play and going to a theater. For us to accurately tell a story that might be in Carbone's case, that might be a, a mid-century Italian-American restaurant in in New York, right? You're, you're you're dining in the late '50s in in Greenwich Village, and you're having what, what would that meal be? What would it look like? What would it taste like? What would it sound like? You have to consider every possible visceral reaction of the guest to really mm. make them an extra in your play and make you mm. really make it a transient experience where they open the door and all of a sudden they are Ray Liotta walking in the back of Copacabana and Goodfellas. I now love it. that is way easier said than done. The only way to accomplish that is to consider every little detail along the way so that they don't get, they're not taken out of character. If I've accomplished 99% of it. And they're, they're in care. They're Ray Liotta. They're walking through the restaurant. They get all the way to the back of their restaurant. They get sat down. Everything's happening. It's perfect. They can't believe the experience. And the waiter's got a pair of Nikes on. Mm. It's over.
0: Yeah. Wow. Down to that minute of detail? Of course. Wow. So when, when you say, I love this, when you say every visceral experience, you mean from cutting the chunk of the Parmesan cheese to how the person greets you at the table to the, the, the emotion you feel from the music coming that you're hearing in your ears, right?
1: Yeah, you don't, you know, I, I, I have no idea what the moments are going to be that are going to strike each customer because each customer, each guest is going to be struck in something in, in a different way. Often they don't even realize it, but it's our job to consider all of the things, all of the details. So you have to ask yourself, if it is the Carbone Project, as an example, and this is actually supposed to be 1958, you have to ask with everything that you're doing, with every decision, every choice, everything you're purchasing, everything you're cooking, every word you're saying, would that have happened in this space in 1958? Mm. And if the answer is no, then you can't do it. That, that song was made in 1962. It wouldn't be playing in 1958. Like we, I get pretty serious about it because I, I believe that whether you know it or not, I'm going to take you there and some customers will get it and say, oh that, that look how they did that. look what you know look what the, the plate looks like, what well, the term he just said that, that I love this song. I love the lighting and it smells so great and the, whatever. Those are all intentional. Um, wow. So you have to be you have to be incredibly intentional with your decisions to get anywhere near a transportive experience.
0: It's almost like you're a Hollywood set designer and everything matters. It is exactly that way. Yeah.
1: Exactly that way.
0: What are you most excited about right now going on in your career?
1: Uh, I mean, we're, I'm incredibly excited about where we are right now. I think that we're in a really incredible position as a company. You know, we have the experience of being a 12 plus year old company. We have, the experience of, of the of the successes and of the failures of twelve years, all of the knowledge, you know, the best team in the business working side by side with us. We have incredible opportunities ahead of us, and we're still a very young company. So for mm-hmm. for the age, for how long we've been here, for how you know large the portfolio is, for all the things that we've learned along the way, we are still a very young company. So I, I'm I'm incredibly excited to see what the next 12 20 years brings us and what what are those opportunities what are the things we're going to get to do uh what are the stories we're going to get to tell the the unknown is incredibly exciting
0: well i'd like to raise a glass to you it's a wednesday morning so all i have is a coffee mug but (laughs) thank you for this time it's been really really interesting to hear your perspective and thank you for the great hospitality at carbone miami earlier this year it was wonderful
1: you're welcome my pleasure
0: thanks for listening to to dine for the podcast for more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For the Podcast, American National, Lavazza, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the
2: table soon.